0: Welcome to Commission. I'm Pastor Eric Teitelman.
1: And I'm Jed Robine. In each episode, we will talk about the gospel of the kingdom, declaring God's heart for the restoration of Israel and all the nations.
0: So join us as we together explore the mysteries of the one new man. Welcome back to the Commission podcast. I'm Pastor Eric Teitelman. With me again, as always, is my good friend Jed Robine. And uh, we have a couple of really interesting episodes for you. We're going to be talking about the spirit of Babylon and comparing it to the spirit of Elijah and some of the things that we see happening in the earth, even now, as it relates to biblical prophecy. And so we're going to try to get a couple episodes off. And then if we've got some time at the end, I know you've got, uh, Jed, you've got a little story to share about your journeys coming up. And so this will be... These last episodes will kind of close out this season, season two, and then you've got some journeys coming up and then we'll probably be coming back at a future time and probably leading out with episode three. So let me turn it over to you, Jed. You've been giving this topic quite a bit of thought and we've had some great offline conversations. So let me have you kind of frame up some questions for us to talk about.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Eric. Um, It's always great to do commission and, and, to have this uh, platform for you and I to come together just to share our thoughts and and process a little bit what we see from the Word of God, comparing, kind of using the Word of God as a filter, and we're interpreting world events and we're trying to process reality as events are unfolding, what does the Bible say? Mm-hmm. What does God say about what's going on in the world today? And I think uh, a lot of Christians, we're trying to get our our footing mm-hmm. in very shaky times And uh, as you and I have been talking about the spirit of Babylon and the spirit of Elijah, uh, you know I'm excited to to explore these ideas with you and to hear your thoughts and to really bring our listeners in to this conversation that you and I have been having. Uh, We've been having it with the Lord on our own, but then having it together as brothers in Christ. And I want to say up front, you know, as we we've said in previous episodes, we're not trying to be dogmatic. We're not trying to be overly prescriptive. We're just exploring. Um, what the Word says to us, and then how we see things from the scriptural perspective. I guess the first place I want to start as we talk about Babylon is one of the things that I was looking at, um, you know, I've talked about it is, you know, Babylon goes back to the Tower of Babel. So Mm -hmm. really, you have in Genesis, the entire narrative is established. He separates light and darkness. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then we have Genesis 3. Uh, verse 15, or after everything falls, and God is is pronouncing judgment on mankind, he's also going to deal with the serpent. Mm -hmm. And he says, I'm going to put enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. So you have two seeds. Mm -hmm. You have the seed of the woman, which we know ultimately is going to be manifested in Jesus as the Messiah. Mm -hmm. And we have the seed of the serpent. Mm -hmm. You know, he's got... His plan and purpose, and he's got his offspring and Mm -hmm. followers, Uh, and so you have this beginning point in Genesis where you see a a fracturing. God's work is going to go one way, Satan's work is going to go another way, and these two kingdoms are going to be battling uh, for the rest of Scripture, and it's ultimately going to be culminating and consummating in the return of Jesus in the in the Book of Revelation, obviously, and the Tower of Babel is established by a man named Nimrod, which his very name in Hebrew means rebellion. Mm. So it tells you everything we need to know about uh, the character of this man. And they, they're establishing this work. We know the story well. It's in the plain of Shinar. It's a very specific uh, location. We know that later on, the city of Babylon is going to be built on that exact same plain because it says it in Daniel chapter 1, when Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in the exile. They're in in Babylonia. They're in Babylon on the plain of Shinar. Mm. And so you have a through line that's established all the way back at the beginning of the story. And this Tower of Babel is this rebellious work that Mm. God ends up scattering the, the languages of the people. And... And you have Babylon is contrasted with the new Jerusalem as two cities. It's a tale of two cities Mm. throughout scripture. We know that we're looking for the city, just as Abraham did, the city made by the hands of God, Mm. not the city made by the hands of men. You know, and so you look at something like in, in the book of Daniel, obviously Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon. He's given a dream from God of Babylon is the head of gold. Persia is this giant statue the the chest and the arms are silver, and that's going to be Persia, mm-hmm. and the belly and the thighs are bronze, and that's going to be Greece and then you have iron and clay in the in the, the in the the legs and feet mm-hmm. of this statue. But then this mountain is cut out from a, from the invisible hand of God, mm-hmm. and this mountain dashes this this giant statue that represents these empires and these kingdoms to dust. And so, really, you have, I think, from a contextual standpoint, we're looking at the, the story of, of the gospel from Genesis through Revelation is the story of two destinies, two seeds, mm. two cities, um, two outcomes, and all of it comes back to who is ultimately going to be worshiped. Mm. Is it going to be God and, and people that are following Jesus as the Messiah? Or are we going to give our worship to Satan and fall into trying to rule ourselves? Mm. Self-government, self-authority, rebellion from God. That's really the hook in the lie in the Garden of Eden was, if you eat this fruit, the reason God doesn't want you to eat this is because he knows you're going to be like him. Right, You'll be able to rule yourself and you'll know good from evil just like God. That's the lie. Mm. And so I think these two cities are, are set in contrast right from the very beginning of the story. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that as we set that as, as kind of contextual uh, background, as we talk about the spirit of Babylon and we talk about, we're going to talk about Elijah and, and the role that the spirit mm-hmm. of Elijah is going to be playing in the story as well. But what are your thoughts there, Pastor Eric?
0: Well, there is a whole lot to unpack in that story I mean, the first thing I think, and I'll just focus on Babylon just, you know, for a few moments, we know in reading in Revelation that there is a destruction that comes, sudden destruction that comes to Babylon and the merchants of the earth, it says, that traded with the, the harlot uh, that, you know, sat on the waters and basically traded with all of the nations that they're mourning because of the loss of their wealth and, and their riches, and so that, that's the first sort of thought that comes to mind and this this world economic system mm. that's built on a foundation of rebellion you know built on that foundation of nimrod himself is a it's not just an it's not an just an economic system it's a political system that is of course driving this economic system but it's also a spiritual system as well and we know that the the false prophet is, is actually the one that administers the mark of the beast. And it says to cause the, all of those of the nations to worship the beast. And so you, you can't separate economic from political and from spiritual. It's, yes. all, it's all encompassing. So that's, that's kind of one initial thought. So you have this world system, economic system, political system, spiritual system that is in rebellion to God. And yet it is dominating the world. Every nation is under this, this dominion of this system, this economic system, some form of its political system, and clearly some form of a false demonic spiritual system as well. And there's different expressions of that demonic system, religious system. But thinking about the new the New Jerusalem for a moment, I feel like I have to take a quick step back. And also look at the existing Jerusalem, because it, it does exist, and it exists in the natural realm. And, of course, it's where two temples were built. God's presence was there during the time of the first temple. Physical presence of God actually was in the Holy of Holies, and the Ark of the Covenant was inside of the Holy of Holies. And so there was a tangible presence of God that came out of the wilderness when the Israelites came out of Egypt, when God physically delivered them from Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And he, they, they couldn't deliver themselves from their bondage of slavery. He had to physically and forcibly deliver them. And he brings them into this land, Canaan, that he promised to Abraham. And eventually, we know that King David builds this city and he makes the plans and preparations for the building of the temple. That his son Solomon, Shlomo, man of peace, like he's a type of, you know, for the, for the Messiah, the prince of peace, that will come and build this earthly city in Jerusalem on, on Mount Moriah, the very same place that Abraham offered, was willing to offer his son as a sacrifice to God. But, but God has some very negative things to say about the earthly Jerusalem. He calls it Sodom. Mm-hmm. And he says it's the city of our Lord, but it's the city that killed the prophets, and it has the blood of the prophets that has innocent blood that has been spilled on that, that soil. And so there is something that has been done that has tainted that land. It is, it is perverted by the shedding of innocent blood on on that soil. So Jerusalem, the, the one that kills the prophets and has martyred many great men and women throughout those, those ages. And God is comparing Jerusalem to Sodom, this great city, it says, where our Lord was, was crucified. And, and he brings about this end-time judgment on Jerusalem in a way similarly to how he brings about this end-time judgment on this global Babylonian system, with one exception. He's bringing the new Jerusalem down to inhabit this place on earth. And so while he brings judgment against Jerusalem, he doesn't have any plans to permanently destroy it. He has a purpose to redeem it, which kind of gets into, and I'll stop here and I'll turn it back to you, but the redemption piece Mm. is really where the spirit of Elijah comes in. Because in op- in opposition to the spirit of rebellion, Nimrod, and the Babylonian spirit of rebellion, it it says that Elijah will come to restore, to return the son the fathers, the hearts of the fathers to the sons, and the hearts of the sons to the fathers. In other words, it it's presumed that there is something that has separated sons from fathers and fathers from sons, and that my presumption is that it's rebellion that has caused that separation. And so here The spirit of Elijah is coming and the new Jerusalem is coming and God is bringing an end to rebellion because he is going to destroy these spirits, these principalities that currently govern and the principality and spirit of Babylon that currently governs and keeps the world in rebellion against God.
1: Well, before we jump to the spirit of Elijah, which I love the track that you're on, bro, um... Let's talk about the powers and principalities mm. really quickly, because, you know, there's a thought out there, well, Jesus is resurrected, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's been given all authority. Mm-hmm. Therefore, he's ruling and reigning right now. Mm. And an aspect of that is true. His name has is is been given the name above all names. Right. And so demons flee at the name of Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah. It doesn't flee at the name of Jed or Eric <laughs> or any other... Uh, pastor or Christian out there. Right. We don't drive out the demonic power and principalities by our own name. Mm -hmm. That's not where the spiritual authority lies. That's not who won back what was lost in the garden. That's the work of Jesus. He came to destroy the works of darkness. Mm -hmm. And so what are these works of darkness? And we know Paul is saying in in the, the letter of Ephesians, for example, look, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, and, and in the high places, wickedness in the in the high places. Mm-hmm. And in Corinthians, he says, you know, the God of this age has blinded humanity. Right. And so we're we're talking about um, spiritual warfare at a very high level. And you know, we were talking offline, and you mentioned kind of the Wizard of Oz idea mm-hmm. of there's these powers and principalities that are behind the curtain, right, pulling levers and pushing buttons and manipulating things for their agenda. Mm. Now God is is above and beyond powerful, uh, he's going to use this for his own purposes. Right. That's right. You know, the, Paul says, for example, that there's the restrainer is going to restrain evil until the time to reveal the man of lawlessness is, mm-hmm. is, comes about. Right. Then the restrainer is removed and evil is allowed to have a time on the, on the human stage, mm-hmm. on the stage of history, right. as it were. And so we're talking about powers and principalities uh, related to Babylon, which has, become, has gone from the Tower of Babel, and you can tr- follow the spirit of Babylon, call it whatever, you know, the, the principality over Babylon, mm-hmm. uh, which is really Satan, right? In it is his, actually in, really Satan. In you, his you know. echelon, mm-hmm. uh, Satan has been working against God's plan from the beginning to right. destroy the woman and her seed. Mm-hmm. That's, he's trying to undo... The prophetic declaration of God's God declared war. He mm. said, I'll put enmity mm. between the seed of the woman mm. and the seed of the serpent. Right? Yes. So this is a declaration of war. And Satan, Satan is fighting to keep his his power. Mm. And so uh, you know, as we look at the Tower of Babel, then evolves into a city, it's an empire, Nebuchadnezzar, obviously at the height of Babylon. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar has the head of gold, as was revealed Mm -hmm. in Daniel chapter 2. But as you rightly said, as you fast forward to Revelation 17 or 18, this has now evolved. The spirit of Babylon uh, has evolved into a world-governing system that's political, Mm -hmm. it's religious, and it's economic. Mm -hmm. And unless you're willing to bow the knee to this one-world system, you're outside. You are excluded from participating. That's in it. right. You will not be able to buy and sell for food, for example. So you're economically marginalized and discriminated and excluded from mm-hmm. the Babylonian system if you, unless you take this mark, right, right. And I think this is where we get into get out of mm-hmm. Babylon. This phrase that God tells people in the Book of Revelation, and it's echoed in in the prophets as well. When you know Jeremiah prophesies against mm-hmm. Babylon, Ezekiel prophesies against Babylon. Uh, Isaiah prophesies against Babylon. there's a this is not a micro theme in mm-hmm. the Bible. This is a major touch point throughout many of the prophets.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. And,
1: and, and so we are we are commanded not to reform Babylon, not to try and fight against Babylon, but to come out from Babylon. Mm-hmm. And so I want to tease that out a yeah. little bit before we touch on on the spirit of Elijah to hear what does that mean as we talk about when the Lord says, get out of Babylon. Mm-hmm. What does that mean?
0: Well, it, it's interesting because, um, you know, we were, again, talking earlier and I was making comparisons between Egypt and Babylon. Right. And, you know, Egypt is a picture of the world and it's a picture of death in the world and sin in the world that leads to death in the world. And, uh, you know, Israel, of course, we know they were slaves. And so there's a lot of symbolism. These are allegories that Israel really was a picture of the fact that we are slaves to sin, which leads to death. And uh, Israel could not come out of Egypt. The Lord did not say to Israel, Come out of Egypt, my children, right. lest you share in her judgments. No, he said with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, I delivered you from something that you could not deliver yourself from. Correct. And so the allegory there, the analogy is similarly for us, that we also could not deliver ourselves from the sin and the sinful nature that we have, this rebellious sinful nature that we inherited, which leads to death. We could not deliver ourselves from this cycle of sin that leads to death. Therefore, God has done the same for us. He has reached out to us with an outstretched hand, a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. He has delivered us from the world. But Jesus said, as you know the prayer so well, Lord, I pray that you don't take them out of the world, but leave them in the world, but I will not leave you orphaned. So we knew he was going to send the Holy Spirit and he was, you know, the comforter and he was going to keep us in the world. So it's like we are living, we've been delivered from Egypt, but we're still living in Egypt and we are waiting for that moment when we are going to be delivered or taken out of Egypt. And so we're kind of in this, this in-between place for the moment. But, but going to Babylon, it says, come out of Babylon, right. lest you share in her judgments, which, which implies that we have a choice. In other words, we, we can participate in the political economic, and spiritual systems of, the, of darkness that, that rule and govern the world. Or we can separate ourselves. Again, we are still in the world. Jesus didn't take us out of the world. Paul said not to associate with, you know, sinners, but but not to not associate with people that are sinning, because lest you separate yourself, you'll never be able to talk to anybody about the gospel. So, you know, he made that distinction, you know, in other words, go out and talk to sinners about salvation, but don't hang out with sinners, is what he said. So we're living in the world, and we've yet to be delivered, but God is telling us for the season that we are living in the world, that we need to come out of the systems of the world, political, economic, and spiritual, those three systems. We need to come out of those things. And then, so then the question is, well, how do we live a life Mm. separate from the world's political economic and spiritual systems
1: and i think that what you're saying is really key and and in my this is just my opinion i think well you know i love the quote with albert einstein this is my paraphrase if if i was part of a think tank that when we were responsible we had one hour and there was a problem that was going to destroy the world i would spend 55 minutes defining the problem mm. what is our ultimate problem is it spiritual? Is it political? Is it economic? Is it cultural? And, and I would say it's spiritual. Yeah. Humanity has a spiritual problem. Right. In our nature. See, we're children of wrath. You know, while we were enemies, he died for us. Hmm. So we are opposed to God in our flesh. And we're spiritually dead until Jesus, as you said, he, with an outstretched arm, he He brings salvation to us and we receive his free gift. He brings us to life. Mm -hmm. We share in his resurrection. Um, So you look at at scripture like Psalm 2, right? Why do the nations rage against God and against his anointed one who he has installed on his holy hill in Zion? This, I think this verse is so powerful to help us understand the nation's rage. Mm -hmm. There's a rage. And a, the Bible says in, there, in that same psalm, you know, the, the kingdoms, the kings and the judges, they cast off restraint. Mm. They don't want to be shackled with God's word. They don't want to be under his rule. They want to rule themselves. They want and to be so rebellion. man's power and man's defiance of God, man's I'm going to do it my way, mm. is this rage that's inside. It's this anger mm that wants to shake its fist at God. And so I think that as we're looking at the underlying causation, what is, where is this animosity coming from? Mm-hmm. I would say that in our nature, we hate God. And look at, when you look at, just take a step back on the crucifixion story. You have an innocent man is put to death by Jew and Gentile mm-hmm. in cooperation. But God, Jesus is God. Mm -hmm. God gave a perfect law to sinful man. Sinful man then used God's perfect law to put the perfect God to death. That is astounding to me Mm -hmm. and how perverted that is. Mm -hmm. And yet the Lord, that's why he... He gave himself. He allowed himself. He said, no one kills me. I lay my life down of my own choosing. Right. He knew what was going to happen to him. And he allowed himself to be put to death in order to free the Israel and the nations up to basically enter into a new covenant with him
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, under new terms, new conditions. But, right. the, but the law was satisfied and the wrath of God was satisfied mm. in order to, to ratify the new covenant. But you have to look at this, this rage that has been growing and building that's going to ultimately crescendo uh, here at the end of the age in Babylon. Is this Babylon is this city of wealth and luxury, like you pointed out. It's a city of decadence. It's, it's man uh, left to his own devices, left to his own indulgences. The city is called a whore. Um, the whore, the harlot, and the, and the nations have committed Adultery with her, mm-hmm. and you know, as you look back through the Old Testament prophets, adultery is always idolatry. Right. Um, in fact, Jerusalem, as you were saying earlier, Jerusalem was chastised by God. He has some very hard things to say about to Jerusalem about being the city of murderers and a den of thieves and a whore. Mm-hmm. He calls Jerusalem a prostitute in several places and is dealing with that uh, as a God who has covenant with uh, with Israel and Judah. So. These are, at, at a macro level, things come to a head. Yeah. And, and we're back to the Lord saying, to your point, Egypt, it was, I'm going to deliver you from something you, can, you, you cannot deliver yourself from. But Babylon, he is saying, you must choose to come out from her. Right. And there was a time when Israel scattered their exile into Babylon for 70 years. Mm-hmm. That was the word of the Lord through the prophet Jeremiah. But he said, there was a time where he said, live lives there get married, have children, build businesses, build homes. But then there comes a time, and it was literally in one night, mm-hmm. Babylon falls. And so as we look at that, we're, we're coming back to that command of the Lord, come out from her, just like Daniel knew the prophet. He knew Jeremiah, and he knew the time limit was up. He knew, okay, 70 years has passed. God's going to lead us back because this is not our home. Right. And I think that question for the Christian, this world Is this world your home, or are we aching for the new Jerusalem? See, we're citizens of heaven. We're not citizens of whatever nation we happen to live in first and foremost. We have an assignment in the nation we we live in, and that assignment is to be an ambassador of a kingdom. Hmm. And yet we're, we're bilocational. We're in two places at once. We're seated with Christ in the heavenly places, and we're residing wherever he has us on our earthly assignment. And so, you know, we... Uh, we have responsibilities and duties to discharge, but just like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were in Babylon, but they were not of Babylon. Mm-hmm. They were distinct amidst that perverse and corrupt society. And when it was time to leave, they got out of there. And I think that's the picture for the end times church, as we look at as pressures mount around the world, as we're seeing more of this one world government, and the Bible makes all of this known. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shouldn't come as any surprise if you know the word of God. What's taking place now? the The stage is being set for a climax. Mm. Uh, but just like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they understood the times and the seasons, and they understood how they are called to only bow the knee to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Lord. They were not going to worship something that they knew was false, and that that. Pressure is going to come upon the, the world. Mm-hmm. Worship this to live. If you don't worship this, you will die and be excluded. That simple decision lies before the world as this, uh, this begins to manifest more and more as time moves along.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that, um, you know, when the time, the 70 years was up for Israel to return to the land. Only a small number actually came back to the land. And we know we know the stories in Nehemiah That's and rebuilding right. the temple. And so there were a large number of, of the Jewish people that stayed in Babylon. They'd gotten very comfortable building their businesses and setting up their their families and their homes and and doing all the things that, you know, normal life takes you into. And so you you really have a picture there of of God Opening the door and putting out an invitation to for Israel to come back from Babylon to Jerusalem, and they're like yeah we're not we're not interested so it, it it's it a way you kind of see a lot of those similarities happening even now within the you know the Christian circles mm-hmm. and so now, granted that you know much of what we read about in um the tribulation is tribulation stuff that you know it's it's beyond where we are today we're not in the tribulation at the moment and uh, you know the mark of the beast is not here some people are saying that you know the covid vaccine was the mark of the beast or whatever but it's it's not the mark of the beast isn't here yet when it comes if we're still here and we haven't been raptured or gone to be with the lord uh, everyone, Christians included, if they're still, if we're still here, will have to make a choice. You either take the mark of the beast and worship the beast, or you can't buy or sell anything, and you will perish for lack of food and provision and or the sword, and they'll just come after you and, and kill you. So, you know, it's that kind of a choice that one day people will be facing. So today, we're not quite there yet. We're, it's like we're living in Babylon during the time that Daniel was there and God is giving us an opportunity to come out of Babylon. And I think freely, without having to be persecuted, without, you know, the Babylonian kingdom hasn't been destroyed yet and the sword hasn't come against anybody still there. So, again, what does that look like? Well, you know, Jesus gave all kinds of parables about where your heart is, so your treasure will be also, he said, you can't worship God and, and mammon, you'll serve one and hate the other. He gave the story to the rich young man and he said, If you sell everything, give it to the poor, you'll begin to understand the principles of the kingdom of heaven and so on. Easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. So he's giving all of these parables. The man goes out in the field, he finds this pearl of great value, he sells everything that he has to buy the field that has. Christ in the middle of the field. So Jesus is giving all of these parables, all of these analogies that tell us where our heart needs to be. In other words, our allegiance is not to be with political systems in the world, governmental systems in the world, economic systems in the world, spiritual systems in the world. We need to come out of those systems. How we do that? Well, it's a challenge and again, you know, Jesus said, you know, render to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is his. God wants our heart. Caesar will take our taxes and will continue to always take our taxes and and Jesus, you know, told us to go pay our taxes to Caesar if that's what Caesar wanted, but you know, we live in the world but we're not of the world. And uh, Jesus said, "My kingdom is not of this world." If it were, my people would fight, but my kingdom is not of this world. So like, I'm not gonna, you know, like I live, you know, in America, like you do, you know, I work, get a paycheck, but I'm not depending on the paycheck. I'm depending on, on God. And if this whole system crumbles tomorrow, then, you know, God will provide what I need and he'll take care of, you know, what, what our needs are and make provision for our family. So yeah, you just have to, your heart has to be disconnected from the love of money, the yeah. love of these earthly systems, and certainly not to get involved in a false spiritual system.
1: Well, I love what you're saying, and it's right on. And, you know, Jesus said, uh, you know, abide in me, mm-hmm. John 15. Let my word remain in you, my love remain in you. If you remain in me, right, right. you're going to bear fruit. And I think that's the, that's the call of a disciple. Where, where do we abide? Are we abiding in in, in Babylon and in the world? Are we making friendship with the world? Are we abiding in the words and teachings of Yeshua? Mm. And I think that's a key question for us to examine. But I, I want to close. I know we're coming to the end of this particular episode, part one. Part two, we'll dig into the spirit of Elijah and focus in on, on, on what you started to bring up earlier. Um, we need to give a lot of time to that. But just to bring this particular episode to a close, you look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I love what they say to King Nebuchadnezzar, and it's a precursor to what, to Jesus before Pilate, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus says to Pilate, "Like you have no power other than what my Father in heaven gave you." He doesn't try to play golf with them and win favors and curry favor with a <laughs> with a human ruler, who, as we look at the situation, he did have a measure of power. Mm. But Jesus didn't see it that way. And neither do Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're, they're looking at Nebuchadnezzar, and he's demanding an answer. Why aren't you bowing to worship? Hmm. And they say, we don't owe you an explanation, O king. I love that. And I think that's good. It's good food for us to have in our soul. We don't owe an explanation. God is on his throne. Jesus has been installed in Zion. God, who is sovereign, has installed who he wants on the throne. We don't owe an explanation to any king. But they do answer him and say, God is able to deliver us from this. Know that he is able. He is more powerful than you. And he can deliver us from your hand. But even if he does not know this, oh, king, we're not going to worship that false image. That's right. And that is the rod of steel that I believe the Lord wants to have uh, the body of Christ to have in these days is we don't need, we don't need to, to respond to the pressure and have a conversation on the terms of the enemy or the world is, is pressing in and demanding an explanation. We actually don't owe you an explanation. Mm now I will give you a reason for the hope I have and the one who knows the end from the beginning and the one who knows no beginning will know no end we are in relationship with that uh, supreme loving being who created the heavens and the earth and I'll give you a reason for the hope that resides in my heart but I'm not going to be pressured by your power to compromise truth and to, to give you something that was only reserved for the Lord himself, and that's worship. Yeah, amen. So amen. we will look forward to episode two as we talk about the spirit of Elijah and uh, and how the spirit of Elijah is poured out at the end and, and the relationship between Elijah and, and Babylon here as we talk about the pressures that are, are mounting uh, on the earth. God bless you, and thank you for listening to The Commission Podcast.
0: If you've enjoyed this podcast from permission, make sure you subscribe to our channel and don't forget to visit our ministry websites.
1: We pray the Lord richly blesses you and we look forward to having you join us again for our next episode.